on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. She's going to run this company better than me. So can I step out 100% if needs be and go sell some solar accounts door to door to pay for her salary? And that's what I told myself. Never had to do that. But if you have the right person, what are you willing to do? And I, I was willing to go knock doors again. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Bennett Maxwell on the King stage, my brother. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You were We were just talking about you spent some time traveling with your family in a pretty nice place, and but I'm not seeing any sunburns on your side, so you're going to have to convince me with some better pictures maybe that you've been traveling. But in all seriousness, what kind of business do you have, brother? So right, right now I've had a, a career in sales and in the last 18 months, I did a full pivot to cookie franchising. So very different industry, but yeah, that's, I have a cookie company. It's called Dirty Dough. We have three locations that are open, two in Utah, one in, one in Arizona and another 115, 120, right around in that range that we have sold that will be opening within the next year or two. Wow. Yeah. And so your name, Dirty Dough, give us just a quick understanding of what does that mean? Yeah. So when it was named that, it just was catchy, I guess. This was an existing company that I purchased 18 months ago. It was just a single store location. Okay. And I purchased it thinking, hey, if I can figure this out and make it dummy proof, yeah. then I can franchise it. And uh, hopefully I can help a lot of other people jump into entrepreneurship for the first time. So anyways, we spun what the name meant before it was just dirty dough is, it was catchy. And I, I heard an employee tell a customer that asked that question, Oh, dirty dough means the dough is dirty. So we do more mix-ins inside the cookie. And then we just took that to a whole nother level. Okay. That's what we are. We dirty dough. It's on the inside of the cookie. So, and then we started doing more mix-ins and more fillings and three layer cookies. So I was describing that to you before it was a, yep. a peanut butter. You look at it, the cookie, it looks like a peanut butter cookie. But when you break it open, and these are giant cookies, these are a third of a pound. So these are big cookies. You break it open, there's a chocolate dough in the middle. And in the very center, there's hot fudge or there's Reese's peanut butter coming out. So it's, anyways, that, it's that, dirty. that's what dirty dough now means. <laughs> yeah, it's dirty and it's messy. And then that fits right into the branding and the messaging that we have, or it's what's on the inside that matters most. Life is imperfect. It's dirty, it's messy, but it's meant to be enjoyed just like these cookies. So there's a lot, there's a big mental health behind the company and behind the branding, really, because I'm scared to death of, <laughs> of the mental health crisis. And I have kids and I'm like, well, you know, what do you do? So anyways, so that's what dirty dough means now is yeah. it means the dough is dirty, more mix-ins, fillings, multi-layers, which leads to the inside matters most. Yeah, I love it, dude. I love the storyline. As soon as you said dirty dough, or as soon as I knew it, and then you told me that story off air about the three-layered cookie, I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah. He's uh, he's over there, got some dirty dough, got a lot of things in it, a lot of things going on, mm -hmm. super creative when it comes to cookies. And so you've solved the problem of, of mental health. 
He could, but just the right amount. If you eat yeah. too many, that ain't helping you either. <laughs> yeah, I just think of I think of the Chick Fil A signs where it says "Eat more chicken," and I now I yeah. see billboards for you saying "Eat more cookies and dirty cookies" to be specific. Let's just because what what would you do with a chocolate chip if you could have a peanut butter chocolate three layered fudge cookie? Yep. I just uh, this is gonna be a fun conversation, especially since you've got a huge background in sales. I can relate to that for sure. And then also after my sales career, I got into franchising as well. So there's going to be some overlap here and some of our topics here, but I want to know, you've obviously built something successful. You've sold 115 or something locations and that are going to be opening up soon. That's a big deal to just to launch a franchise. Number one, to have successfully sold, to have multiple locations already operating. It's a big deal. So here you are a king on the stage. You've been successful, but you're still pushing from the time that we talked with you a handful of weeks ago, you've since sold another. 15 or 20 locations. Why right. are you, why have you pushed? Why are you still pushing? Super good question. <laughs> Been on this personal journey of figuring that out for the last year. So I purchased this company last year and I was, I still had a solar company that I was running. I was living in San Diego at the time. Entrepreneurs, we work super hard telling ourselves once we get XYZ, then, you know, then I'm going to have financial freedom, which equates to time freedom, and then I could travel. And then it only leads to, well, so I could be with my family, right? And then I want to be with my family to be happy. That's what I've been telling myself the whole, my whole life. I sell my solar company last year and I hit those goals that I was going for. Right. And it felt amazing. And two weeks later, I'm like working a freaking weekend again. I'm like, what am I doing? I need to snap out of this cycle. So you mentioned that I went on vacation. I was gone for the entire month. The last four weeks I was gone. I was in Mexico with my wife. And so anyways, this happened a year ago, man, I need to figure out like what I'm doing. And so I don't, I, so I could catch myself in these cycles and I can be like, Hey, let's, how would I just choose to be happy and successful now, rather than just a success. So I can have the happiness later. Anyways, I drop off my family on a Wednesday and my wife and my three kids. And two days later, I'm like, why'd I do that? They were going to Mexico for a three weeks without me. And then I was going to catch up the last week, two days later, I bought a flight the same day. I'm like, I caught myself back in that cycle yeah. for me. Why do I keep pushing? I guess there's two reasons. One man, it's fun. It's fun to have just the competitive drive of, can I build something? The two goals though, that I have with dirty dough is one is the mental health aspect. And it's related to a nonprofit that we're launching right now, building wellness centers in schools. So I've been fortunate enough that I haven't had much experience with anxiety or depression or any of that. But statistically speaking, my kids are twice as likely, over twice as likely, it's 189% more likely to go to the hospital due to self-harm than they were before social media came out. And it's just like, what do you do with that? So yeah. that's what I'm trying to target kids and be proactive in talking about mental health, but arming them with the tools, guided meditation, breathing exercises, happiness, mindset, things like that, guiding them with that. And then the Number two goal is lowering the barrier of entrepreneurship. So the barrier to entry by providing a low cost franchise, very easy to run, doesn't require it to be like owner operated, things like that. So the, those are my two big goals is the mental health and the, the entrepreneurship. And then obviously it's just fun, but I'm always careful to not push too hard at the expense of sacrificing my family. Yeah. I love how you gave two examples there of how you maybe naturally are wired to just go, right? But then yeah. in the moment you caught yourself, I think all of us can relate to not just being in those moments, but then that feeling of, oh man, this is I'm doing the thing that I didn't really want to do or that 
I yeah. know that I need to do, but maybe I should have done it differently. But then now we're caught in it. And not only did you catch yourself in that moment, but they took action in both of those. Mm -hmm. you, you said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to just do business for the next three weeks in Mexico with my family. And to just, and you just, let me just go. And I think that to a more boiled down simple point is that if we want to make those things important to us, just like anything else, business, a new sale, a new franchise, whatever, we've got to prioritize them, put them on the calendar, think ahead, make it actually speak on our calendar like it does a meeting or a new business venture or a sales call or whatever. Anything else you want to add there to getting it in front of mind? <laughs> no, it's just a constant, like how, how many of us struggle with that? That it's always, I'm going to be happy when I hit XYZ. And then we're always pushing for that XYZ and it's never enough. And that's what creates a large change in the world. But at the same time, you can't do it to the expense of your happiness today. At least that's my opinion. So yeah, that's what I've been focused on. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. It's interesting. I have a, a real close friend of mine who definitely subscribes to the let me delay everything mm -hmm. so that we can be in a different position in the future. And look, delayed gratification when it comes to entrepreneurship and future and legacy and our kids, like we have to do it. Like that, that's just part of being a good steward of what we've been given. But I think that there's also a story that we're writing along the way. And I think that's the piece that you're referring to that. Yeah, delayed gratification is part of that story so that in the future we can achieve something or get to a certain place or whatever. But then there's also this in the meantime story happening at the same time, which is where a lot of entrepreneurs are going to, we're just in the vision, we're in the future. And yep. it's tough. I think that you bring awareness to a very hot topic. Just before we kind of get into some of your story, I'd love to hear some things that you kind of mentioned meditation. You mentioned how does a listener today take either mental health and or this idea of how do I live in the story along the way, uh -huh. the, the journey, what would you say to that person who's listening who wants some tacticals? What got me started was like a guided meditation. I listened to a guy named Sam Harris. He's a okay. neuro, I've just forgot, neurochemist. <laughs> neuro okay. something. He's a brain guy. <laughs> He's a brain guy. And his meditation is a lot more in depth than why you're thinking and how you're thinking. And anyways, he's got an app called Waking Up. Before that, there's another app called Headspace, some guided okay. meditation. I guess that's been the big strategy. There's a guy named Wim Hof, W-I-M, and he runs marathons in the freaking Antarctica with shorts on. And <laughs> he's just crazy, but he does a lot of breathing exercises and you can actually change yeah. your physiological state with breathing exercises. So that's another one, but man, I'm Still need to figure out a lot more, <laughs> but those are the two that I'm mainly going after. And what's when I sold my solar company a year ago and I caught myself within a few weeks of what am I doing? Like, why did I tell myself I'm going to be happy when X, Y, Z happened? And then now that it happened, I'm still working past five and I'm working the weekends and all that. So I started seeing a therapist, like never thought in the world that I would be the one seeing a therapist. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's if you're going to commit suicide or something, I don't know, but I've been seeing a therapist for a year and that's been awesome. Just like diving into my psyche and like, why do I say one thing and perform a different thing? So I guess those are my three methods that, that I've been using some guided meditation, some breathing exercises, and then good old fashioned therapy. Yeah. Love it, man. Okay. <clears throat> Let's talk about your story. You obviously cook the cookie business. Isn't your first business. Tell us how you kind of got started. I know you said in sales, but how did that mm -hmm. translate into solar and kind of give yeah, us a yeah. little bit of the journey? I'm in Utah and there's a big, like everybody knows what summer sales is. And it's door-to-door -door sales. You go out for four or five months, They some other state. And the pitch is you get all these college kids and they're like, hey, you can make enough money in this four to five months to pay for your school, 
And so you could focus on your school and you don't have to have a job during school because you could make pretty high commissions. And I, growing up, I was selling candy bars in freaking elementary school and knocking doors and selling lawn aeration and like junior high. And then for any sports, if I wanted to pay for the sports, it was like, you go sell what the team was selling cookie dough. So that's when I got into cookie doughs when I was doing wrestling and rugby and then like the discount cards. That's what I did for football. I got into all of that. And then I started doing pest control. That's what I started. Went to California. I only did it for two months, but it went really well. Then the next year I'm like, I got this. I recruited 30 dudes, no 40 dudes that actually showed up 40 dudes. We all moved out to Charlotte, North Carolina from Utah. So it was me and 40 people. And it was the blind leading the blind. It was a blast though. It was a super fun summer. Like you moved your whole fraternity. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. We broke the, it was a smaller company, but I broke the all-time sales record personally. And as a team, like very successful summer, but that kind of got me. It's that that door-to-door stuff. You can make multiple six figures knocking doors in a few months. And most people don't really know that. Um, But if, if you're good at it, so from there, now you're working for a company, but it's 1099, 100% commission. Even all your recruits and your man, it's here's what you're going to make if you recruit people, but only if you recruit people and only if that recruit sells 100% override based. So you're an entrepreneur, right? You're running your own pay skills and your own programs and incentives within that other company. And it's 100% based on commission. So you get that, I don't know, that grit and that grind that comes with it. So after I did that for two years, and then I did security sales, smart home sales for two years. Yeah. And then wow. 2019, I moved to Sa- no Sacramento to do solar. I'm like, hey, I'm going to give this solar thing a shot. And if we like it, let's try working for a full year. Because I was only working four or five months of the year. So we did it. And we loved it. Solar was way better than the other things were great, but solar was just awesome. She's like, if we're going to do year round, I want to live in San Diego. So I was like, done. <laughs> so we moved to San Diego. <laughs> And started a solar company and it was pretty short lived. I started like we had our first recruit it was me and my brother, January of 2020. So right before COVID hit. And then we ended up selling it June of 2021. So we only had it for 18 months, but that's, that was being a sales manager with a hundred percent commission based and everything got me in the mindset. Then I've teamed up with my brother who's 13 years older than me, a lot more experience in business. So I was lucky to learn from him. Yeah. What that's an incredible that you would have that many touch points, that many cities, but all it really is. And you said you just threw yourself out there door to door. It's like cold calls. Yeah. Like, bro, put yeah, some yeah. hair on your chest, figure some stuff out, get your face kicked in. <laughs> yep. And you realize that you're still living. You're still alive. Yeah. It's not yeah, really that bad. <laughs> I've gotten tens of thousands of no's and yeah, I'm, I'm here. And hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even millions at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely in the millions. Yeah. I think that all of that can be taken into every business that you've got. Now you're trying to build a franchise system. And so there's obviously sales into that, but there's a lot more things that go into building a franchise system as opposed to just a door knocking. I am curious, mm-hmm. since you're into the realm of this franchise system, what's been the struggle so far? Sales has obviously not been the struggle. What has been the struggle? Man, the rapid growth of just, you don't know what you don't know, right? Okay. Like we there's a store opening supposedly this week. And I was just hanging out with some people They're like, when's that going to open? You've been telling us every week for the last few weeks. I was like, yeah, that's because that's what they're telling me. We're waiting on one part for the freezer that gets delayed and delayed. A lot of that, just jumping into a new industry and not knowing industry standards, like sales. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to sell this alarm account. And as I'm walking out of this door, 
the technician, you're high-fiving the technician and he's on his way in to install it. That was the handoff with these other cells and now construction <laughs> and all of this. It's a different world. Yeah, It's just a lot more complex. So trying to predict all of those complexities and what we've been doing to mitigate some of those, we opened up a store, our first franchise two months ago, and then we didn't open up anything else for a month. And then we opened up another store and then we get in a few weeks and we're opening another two this week. And I and then one next week, I think. So trying to pace it a little bit slower and know it's go shit's gonna hit the fan. We just need to have time to to be able to adjust. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. What what have you found? And this is more so for just kicks and giggles here. I'm curious to know what's the timeline from getting started on construction to build out. And are you seeing that's like once that's been like systemized that that'll go pretty smooth, or is it you're still in the figuring it out stage? Give us a little yeah, information there. After the first one, even the second one was a lot quicker and the, these other ones have been going a lot quicker. The sure. build out, once you have your permits and like you start construction, 60 to 90 days, it's, it's pretty quick. These are small little stores, very simple to, to get up and going. That first one was closer to that 90 days. And then once we opened it, it was like, oh, we didn't think of that. Oh, we forgot to think of that because we've never addressed that issue before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're building the systems as you go. What would you say to a person listening today? They're not obviously building a franchise system, but what you just talked about is taking action. Mm -hmm. And through the process of taking action, I'm realizing that, oh, I do this thing all the time or, ooh, this is going to happen, but I didn't think about it. You're creating the system as you go. Like you're building the ship at yeah. sea, as they say. What would you say to the person listening right now who's not at the seven-figure mark, but that's really what they're doing is that they're in the process of grinding it out. They're doing the marketing, they're doing the sales, they're doing the fulfillment, they're doing the finance, and they're not necessarily creating systems. How would you suggest that they do that? In the midst of all yeah, that. you're going to make mistakes. Everybody's making mistakes. The key to somebody successful and not is how many times are you making the same mistake? You should only make it once. And then not only you should only make it once, your organization only needs to make it once. So I can't make a mistake, not communicate that to the team. And then the team makes the same mistake. So the systems are beyond important <laughs> to make sure that you are fixing all of that. I have a few different ways. We, have, we do a finance meeting a week. I, I, I hire a CEO as well. And then plus I have a partner. So we have a meeting with all of us. We have a marketing meeting and I just keep running notes and just my iPhone notes. Right. And it's, these are all the things that I'm going to go over per meeting rather than just showing up to the meeting. Oh, what do I remember at that time. So right. coming to all of those meetings, like, Hey, you guys, I solved this problem. Let's make sure it never happens again. And then I expect them to do the same thing. Anyways, that that's, I guess one answer, another answer that just came company policy. One of our company policies is if you have an issue, if you have a problem, you have to write that problem out and define it and then come to me or whoever you're reporting to with two to three solutions. So it gets them already thinking and them used to, I'm going to write it down. And then I'm going to write down a few responses and then I'm going to come to that, you know, come with that to Bennett or something. And then we're going to work out a solution together. So it's training them to get in that mindset. And it's really just writing down because man, yeah. especially coming from the sales world, like salespeople are not that organized. Typically yeah. it's like, I want to knock a door and rather than go back because I forgot to get the credit card information or I'm just going to go knock the next door because that's yeah. easier. So Getting, Which is crazy to think about how that would be easier, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, we're dumb, but we do it. Like we don't follow up with anybody a lot. We're always waiting yeah. for the next one. And so just writing everything down and having a system and then training your employees to do the same. Yeah, no, it's huge. Okay. What would you say has been a good decision that you've made? <clears throat> and it can be in your entire business career, but if you can think of one in the last 18 months while you've been building this, 
that'd be great. What, just a good decision that you can think of the moment in time. Boom. I did this. It worked out great for me. The, I did a startup course based okay. out of Utah right, right after I sold my solar company. I'm like, what's the startup course going to teach me? I just built and sold a company in 18 months. I literally didn't know anything. <laughs> so that just jumping into that and doing it anyway, that changed my whole business of okay. going and learning from somebody who hadn't done it. Like the guy who was giving this course, he started a company and then they went public and it was valued at 30 plus billion at its peak. So like to learn from a guy like that versus myself selling a little solar company, like that was just a huge difference. And that was probably in September of last year. And that really got me going. We took him on as our senior advisor in this building and advisory board. I knew anyway, that's the best thing that I feel like I've done in the last year was yeah. go to that course yeah. and then take action on what I was taught. I was going to say the action piece obviously goes along with it. And so what I'm hearing you say, <clears throat> surrounding yourself with guys like that, an advisory board, board of sorts that you've started to build is going to continue what decision you place in that moment because you yeah. learned some things, you took some action on it, but now you have access to him or other people, of course, that are going to continue to get you out of your own way. It sounds like. Yep. Okay. No. What about a bad decision? What have you done? That's just been like, Oh, hires. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm overly optimistic sure. and overly trusting. So like anybody's going to tell me something like, I'm not going to, I'm just going to take your word for it, hire you on. And I'm like, wait a second, you don't know how to build projections. Like you don't know how to use formulas in Excel. No. So we've hit some roadblocks with me personally. And I know this and I don't love managing because I'm not a good manager. I don't like the hiring and all of that. I've made a lot of bad decisions and to fix those, I hired a CEO in December. So she's been way, she's way more experienced than me, way better. And then now she does all of that because I suck at it. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Was there this recognition in the moment of oh crap, I suck at this. I need to find somebody or was it, I suck at this. And then later it was the solution is I need to find somebody. Like how did that come into your brain as far as the solution? So I've known that I suck at it for a while, for <laughs> years. I'm like, I don't want to manage. I'm going to hire a manager because somebody else is going to be able to do it better than me. Sure. It was really just when I jumped into food, I've never been in food, never been in a franchising, but yet I had this big vision. So it's, I can take the years and years to figure it out, or I can go find people that have been there, done that. And the lady that I hired, she had her franchise. She started in 83. It was called Maui Wowie Smoothies and Coffee. Okay. She ran it for 35 years, grew it to just under 700 locations before selling it. So I was like, oh, if you've done that for your company. And then she did it for another company as well. She was only with them for a few years, but one, a concept to franchising them to 90 plus locations. I'm like, yeah, let's bring you on. That's definitely been the key is just finding the people that have been there, done that hiring to where we want to be rather than where we're at. That's definitely been the strategy rather than taking the, Hey, I don't have five years to go learn all this. I'm just going to hire people that already are more skilled than myself. What would you, I agree with you on all these pieces. What would you say to the listener right now? Who's thinking, I don't have money to hire that person. Or does that person exist for me? Why wouldn't they just run their own business? All these concerns really that we have, or maybe excuses of reason why we're not looking for that counterpart, that visionary integrator type partnership. Yeah. What would you say to that person listening right now? People always ask me how to hire people because that's, I'm very big into working on your business rather than in your business. So you shouldn't have any day-to-day -day tasks really as a business owner, like that needs to be someone else. And then you fill in where you see is fit. So people always, Hey, how do I hire somebody? I can't get somebody. I'm like, we well, put out an ad 
Have you interviewed people? <laughs> and they're like, no, people like reached out to me on Instagram and they were interested in working, but I didn't know if they were right fit. And I was like, did you put out an ad though? Put out a free ad. What are you looking for? What are the job tasks that you need them to do? Do you have any minimum skill requirements? What's the pay range? Throw it out there and you get so many good applicants. Because I was the same thing. I was like, how do you find somebody like that? Like, right. I felt like I had to know somebody like, or know somebody right. that knows somebody. So I'll just throw out an ad and you can find good people. You just need to get better at interviewing. That's one thing that I need to do. But that's where I would say we start. As far as the finances to do it, I, I don't know if this is going to be, I'll, I'll tell you my story. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be super relatable, but one, I had some capital running into it, but the company had no money when we hired her. This was in December. This was the month that we franchised. So the first month we started selling franchises. And what I told myself was she could run this company better than me. Like even if I step out hundred percent, she's going to run this company better than me. So can I step out hundred percent if needs be and go sell some solar accounts door to door to pay for her salary? And that's what I told myself. Never had to do that. But that's, if you have the right person, what are you willing to do? And I was willing to go knock doors again. Like I'll, I'll go knock doors for a few months and I'll pay for her salary in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's such good mentality. I don't, like you said, you haven't had to, and really you could probably go sell some franchises inside the yeah. core business that would probably pay for her salary as well. That, that's a, it, what we ended up doing. But it was like, if for whatever reason, we can't close deals, like I'm just going to knock some doors. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you were just going back to your, the most baseline confidence mm -hmm. of, okay, I know I could at least do this. Yep. And, and I also like what you said, as far as like your willingness, because you basically delineated your decision down to, okay, I either do it myself, which I know I'm not very good at. And yeah, I'm going to get it done because I'm persistent. I'm obviously a business, like I'm going to get it done, but if I hire her, it'll get done faster and probably better. And then yep. in the meantime, what do I need to do? I, well, I just need to cover her salary. That's it. Yep. And what's the smallest, easiest, most delineated down thought on how I could do that? Go knock doors or whatever it is for the person listening. I think it's incredible advice mindset wise. Of course, if you yeah. had to do it, I'm sure you would have. Oh, but... no, I, I, for, I for sure would have. And the other thing is like, how do you, you have to pay somebody like that? And it's, oh, you look, they wanted a good salary, but they, it's not like you're giving them a sign on bonus. It's like you how much value are you going to get from them in the first two to three months? And how are you going to then increase your revenue? Like exactly what you just said, go sell some franchise. And that's what I said. Am I going to sell more franchises with myself with no experience at the head of the company or with somebody with lots of experience that has done this multiple right. times, hundreds of times as far as selling franchises? So it was, I didn't need to pay a multiple six-figure salary today. I needed to pay a few grand a month why we ramped up sales and it ramped up really quick. If you had not been good at sales, but you were maybe good operational, would the mm -hmm. same have been true? You just needed to hire a good salesperson? Oh, for sure. Yeah. De definitely a big believer in do what you're good at and hire people to do everything else. You should have a basic understanding of everything, but a surface level, basic understanding. If you try to do everything yourself, it just doesn't, you can't, how do you scale yourself? You only have so many hours in a day. Right. Yeah, Exactly. What would you say to the person right now who they, they're they in too many sections of the business? So like they had gone down the road that you didn't, right? They yeah. <laughs> they went ahead and put the CEO hat on. They put the sales hat on. They're, on. they're in all these hats. How does that person best get to where you are now? They need to undo some things. They need to do some new things. What do you think? Yeah. So the E-Myth Revisited is an amazing business book. And go read that. And if you're lazy, go type it in YouTube and watch the 10 minute summary at least, but like do that right now, because that'll change your business. 
And the, the premise of it is what is my business going to look like in, in two, three, five years from now? And then you build out your organization chart. So I do have a CEO and a CFO and a marketing manager and a sales manager and a sales rep, right? And then it's okay, where do I, and I am all of those, right? It's just me. When you start a business, it's typically just you. Or like when I did it with my solar company, that's how we were able to sell it so fast. Like day one, my brother taught me this and it was a stupid activity in my opinion. It's like, why are we building this out just to put our names in all of this? Like, right. this is silly. And then, so for the solar business, it's, I started as a sales rep and I started as a sales rep, the sales manager right, everything. and the VP <laughs> of sales and the CFO and whatever I was doing all of the, and the bookkeeper, like I was, my hat was in all of that or my picture was in the org chart. Well, I started with the sales rep, the lowest, and then you build out all your standard operating procedures. This is the sales rep. This is the hours that they work. This is the commissions that they're going to get. This is the training that they go through. This is the pitch they're going to use in the door. Then once you have that built out, boom, you hire your first salesperson. And then that promoted me to a manager. Okay, what does the manager do? I hate being a manager, but I know how to be a manager. Okay, th this is the override structures for the manager. This is how they're going to do incentives. This is how they get people to meetings. This is the training format that they're going to use. This is how often to do training, what type of trainings, right? Okay, boom, I built that out. Now I'm going to hire a manager or promote my salesperson to a manager and as I hire more salespeople. Then that promoted me to the VP of ops. So full circle is that's natural. Focus on one position at a time, build out the system, and then plug somebody else in and then boom, go work on the next part and then go work on the next section. Then go, see, I cheated a little bit with Dirty Dough because I didn't figure out how to, I've still never, I've never mixed cookies. Like I don't know how to bake or anything. I just hired somebody to do that. And I feel like I need to understand how it was done, but I also didn't feel like it, not everything you have to build out yourself, a mixture of the two. I am replacing myself position and position. I've done that, but I'm also sometimes taking the shortcut and just hiring somebody out. Yeah. And I think that, that what you're saying, it makes perfect sense. It's not that before isn't the shortcut. It's just that you probably didn't have as much capital then mm -hmm. as you do now. And you didn't know then what you know now. And so now it's okay. If I can find someone who knows how to do this, they can build the SOP, the system, and then I can build a team around them yep. where before it was, I don't know. So let me start doing it. Let me then create the SOP. Let me then be able to move myself out of the seat, everything that you just described. So you're doing the same thing, but you just, now you understand the flow. And so you don't have to actually be the one moving through the bubbles, especially yep. since you have the capital, you can just put people there. What's the, I want to say run rate or what's like, you're obviously willing to spend money now to make this go a little faster, but all it, all that money for you now, all it's really doing is just speeding up, filling the bubbles. Yeah. And so just like you just said, you hired, you, you wrote out the CEO bubble and then you filled it. But then what that did for you is it probably in your brain, it just like, Whoop. I know when I hand things off to her, things are great. Yeah. And so then now I can focus over here. So it enabled you to give more of attention to that other spot. Like I'm trying to set you up here to give us some more information. Yeah. I mean, what do I do? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> yeah. No, no, not necessarily like, what are your tasks now, but what's you're obviously have a, a game plan, right? Like you have a game plan, you've got the bubbles, you know, your org chart out and you've already filled some of them, but what's the trajectory? Is it 700 units? Is it uh, like, what does it look oh, like yeah, in a year? Yeah. Just give us a little bit with this, where you're going with all this. Yeah. A, a thousand units at the end of 2026 is what we want open with a thousand wellness center. So a wellness center is okay through 12. It's converting an old classroom into a spot that kids can proactively work on mental health, not to be a safe space to escape life because I'm not a believer in that. I'm a believer that life's going to kick your teeth in 
but how about figure out what to do when that happens proactively? So that's the big goal. I'm on this podcast right now, and I have a, another handful later today and another handful tomorrow. And I'm, I can reach more people on this podcast than I could baking cookies, right? Like the, this is going to be a bigger impact on my company. So I've freed up my time and my goal, and I've reached that goal, but it's, I'm not responsible for sales. I'm not responsible for operations. I'm not responsible for opening up stores. I'm not responsible for construction. I don't have any direct responsibilities that fall on me and only me. It's just, I'm overseeing and helping anybody who needs help. And then doing the big vision stuff that I can really get my name out. Like I've been working on social media a lot because man, you could post and you get a few hundred thousand views on that post. And I need to build up that even more because I can see that's going to take me a lot further than managing a store here in Utah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. People need to know Bennett. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's transition here to the speed round. I'm going to come at you in a, in a little different direction, a little different angle. Maybe I want you to take this cookie business and I want you to dwindle it down to one trackable metric. You can only pick one. What would it be? Man, profitability. So that's not my goal, right? My goal, I just told you, it's the mental health. That's primary. And number two is allowing more entrepreneurs, more people to be entrepreneurs. Sure. Why am I doing cookies? Because it's profitable and I can't achieve either of those unless right. it's a profitable model. So that's what everything is built around. You were asking me for, what am I willing to invest? But that's what's, in my opinion, is realistic over decades. And that's what I wanted to build. So anyways, we invested, I, we're probably into it, 2 million of what we, and we have two stores open, right? Like it's been a big investment because what we've done is we've taken out all the hard things that a franchisee would have to deal with, ordering the raw ingredients, and we've centralized all that. So now we can get larger discounts. And then we have a few professional bakers that makes hundreds of cookies at a time rather than 60 to 70. Then rather than weighing them all by hand, we throw it through a machine that's way more accurate, precise, and it gives a more unique cookie. So now what I'm setting up my franchisees for is a lower break-even point, but a much lower break-even point, half the labor that they could run off their store. And that's going to give them a more longevity, the potential to have this store, just like our CEO, she had her brand for 35 years. And she had people, franchisees for 35 years. That's incredible. So I've been rambling. I'm like, what was the question that you asked No, me? dude, I've, um, <laughs> you've been giving us gold. That's why it feels oh, the, like the, we've the, been the, going. the investment. Yeah, so it, it was a very big, we're going to invest whatever it takes to make this the most simple franchise model. So the franchisees don't have to deal with, oh, what do I do with my leftover blueberries when the blueberry cookie's out of rotation? Well, you throw them away. What do I do with my when my employees don't show up? So now you have to have half the employees. What do I do when my employees are balling the dough and it's taking all day? And it's like, you don't have to deal with any of that. Yeah. So that's what we've done is we've really invested in that to make it as easy as possible with the franchisees. So it's all been front heavy for sure. Yeah, that's incredible. I think that uh, I think you're onto something, especially the low barrier to entry, because there's a lot of people out there that want to be their own boss, but that, that's just a lot that goes into it. Especially when you think of a franchise. Yeah, there's a lot of things taken care of for me. That's why I went with a franchise to begin with. But you got a big cost and you got a big labor and all yep. this other stuff that you still got to figure out inside the system. And it sounds yeah. like you guys are taking take, taking some of those things down for your franchisees. I look at it as for if you need to if you want to be an entrepreneur, you need a game plan, you need time, you need money, and you need experience or expertise. So the game plan 
comes with a franchise, right? That's what a franchise is. Here's your game plan. We still need money. Now we're building these stores. They're half the square footage. You don't need mixers. You don't need all the equipment, right? So we're less than half the cost of a competition. So we're greatly reducing the barrier to entry on the money side. Plus there's SBA loans out there specifically for franchises. And then what about the time required? Now you're managing half the employee. There is no quality control as far as, like, oh, did you mix the dough? Is it fresh? Well, that's all done at a corporate side. So you don't need all the time, which leads to the expertise. I already admitted that I've never made a batch of cookies and mm -hmm. neither do any of our franchisees because you don't need to be an expert baker because we've taken that out of their hands. So those are, those are my four areas that I see that you need to have to become an entrepreneur and how we're tackling them all. Yep. I love it. Okay. What book would you recommend? You've already mentioned the e-myth. Are you going to stick with that one? Or do you have another one maybe that you want to throw out? We'll put in the show notes. For business, I would the e-myth for sure. Okay. Just in general, I guess a, a sales book, Never Split the Difference was probably one of my favorite ones. The Wolf of Wall Street one. What did, I forgot what that one was called, but yeah, both of those uh, are very applicable. Not It's a lot more deeper. So maybe you start with a more general sales book, but those are the ones I'm like, man, like He's talking about voice inflection on the phone. That's, yeah. this is cool. Yeah. I'm trying to sift through my audible because it's been several years since I've read it, but we'll find it. We'll put it in the show notes. It's a great book as well. Never split the way difference. The I've listened to that one a couple of times. That's what way called. of the wolf. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, but yeah, never split the difference. I actually, it's funny. I have a, a unique story with that one. I, I had listened to that book maybe once or twice. And then I was in the process of buying my first small apartment complex. And I, I re-listened to that book on, on a drive that I had, like a three-hour, six-hour drive, something like that. So I re-listened to the entire thing, like right before my negotiation. And I awesome. used some one-liners straight from that book yes. to get a phenomenal deal on that first apartment complex. It was pretty incredible. I so recommend that. Okay, what, from, a, from an operations perspective, if you only had one hour, maybe you're already here because you've already put your team in the right place. But if you only had one hour each week to successfully run your business, how would you use that one week? or that one hour each week? Just checking KPIs probably with each of the department heads. So like we have a killer guy over production, over logistics, and then obviously our CEO, it would just end in the marketing team and the finance team and say, hey, this is where you're supposed to be. Are you there? And having them be measured against the goals, typically and ideally that they've set for themselves. Sure. Yep. Love it. Okay. And last question, Bennett, if you lost it all, what would you do? I'd go knock and you'd be listening to me knock on your door and selling you something, dude. <laughs> it's given me a very big, even though it's freaking scary, everything you're like, what, what would happen? But it's like, I can go work for any company on a hundred percent commission base. And I can make multiple six figures with any company because the skill of this and the profession of sales that I've acquired. Anyways, any, anytime you can go to a company and say, don't pay me unless you make money, man, it's not a big, bad gig to have, especially when you're so confident that you're going to sell whatever you need to sell. You know, obviously you need to find a great product, a great company that you believe in, but that gives me a lot of that. That's what I'd be doing. I'd be knocking doors. Do you think that gives you a lot of runway in today's world, the confidence to make risky decisions, knowing that if I did lose it all, then plan B is it's already something I've already done. I've already conquered. I've already been successful. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I wouldn't have hired our CEO unless I knew that I could go knock doors and pay for her salary. Cause it would have been too scary. What do I do? What if I hire and we don't, the franchise sales don't pick up, then what do I do? Let go. Do I let her go? And let's no, I'm going to go knock freaking doors. So it's allowed me to make way more risky decisions and given me the capital to be able to invest in better teams and everything. So it's been a big blessing that these summer sales bros, that's what they're called. They're like, dude, come out and sell. You make a lot of money, drive a Corvette. <laughs> <laughs>
the dream the dream became real for bennett it's a stereotype here in, in utah for sure the summer yeah. sales bros that's a, hey that's okay and i think I, there's a lot of things that young kids could be doing in the summers that could be way worse than learning a skill set <laughs> that could literally change their life as you've already described bennett how can someone find you how can the listener connect with you maybe they're interested in the brand they want to buy one they want to i don't know how can they find you yeah, bennettmaxwell.com, B-E-N-E-T, and the M-A-X-W-E-L-L. So there you can, there, there's a link to the website, dirtydoughcookies.com as well, to inquire about franchising and like a little podcast kind of intro to learn a little bit more. But I, I try to put out content on social media daily, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all of that. And then on that website, you can follow me on all those links as well. We'll put them all in the show notes as well. You've been incredible here today. Thank you for giving um, back to other entrepreneurs and making a way for new entrepreneurs who want to have yeah. low cost to entry as well as a plan and uh, expertise. You're, all these things you're giving to them right away. So we just so appreciate everything you're doing in the market. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.